here we go with a new series called Turning Pro. Now, I ripped that title off from Stephen Pressfield in his book, Turning Pro, uh, though I'm not using his thoughts exclusively. I couldn't think of a more appropriate title. We're going to contrast what it means to be an amateur at something versus what it means to be a professional at something. And we're both. We're amateurs at some things, but we should desire to be professional at least at one thing, uh, to build on the thing that we're good at, the thing that's in our hand, to become excellent. Uh, to become excellent at a thing just means to excel above people's expectations. To become remarkable, which simply means that what you do is worthy of remark. You know, uh, probably one of the, the good remarks, by the way, <laughs> um, one of the best uh, pictures I ever heard of excellence, I've probably mentioned it in numerous podcasts, but it, it applies here. To be excellent at a thing um, means to excel. And I, I was teaching on that, and I had one of my leaders come up to me at the church we planted several years ago, and he said, you know, excellence is kind of like this road with a ditch on each side, and on one side it's a ditch called sloth, and on the other side is a ditch called perfection. That's really good, because you know, we can aim at perfection, but rarely, if ever, are we going to hit it at a thing. We're going to fall down. We're going to fail. We can't get into a ditch of laziness or sloth where we just don't act on our goals. And we can't fall in a, in a ditch where just because we can't get it perfect, we get bogged down and give up. I watched some football the other night, and a quarterback named Andy Dalton, I think he might be, it might have been the Cowboys uh, that he's quarterback. He used to be with Cincinnati, I think. But anyway, it wasn't like my team. I was just watching a little bit of whatever game was on. And if you know what a pick six is, that's when the quarterback throws an interception and the defender runs it back for a touchdown, um, six points. Well, Andy Dalton threw two of those within something like a minute or a minute and a half. I mean, utter embarrassment in front of millions of people on national TV, a stadium full of people, yet he is a professional. He was certainly imperfect in that moment, uh, but I, I've heard it said that athletes try to have the mind of a goldfish or the memory of a goldfish, which is like two seconds. they got to forget what they just did and worry about what's important now. And uh, so that's another whole teaching in and of itself. Hey, let me give you a quick update on Life on the Verge. Um, we are home for the time being. I probably mentioned that in the last uh, podcast, but had a great weekend uh, with the men from Lighthouse. Well, it used to be Lighthouse Worship Center. Now I think it's just Lighthouse. Um, got to do some speaking on vision and that kind of thing. It was fantastic up at Watermark's Camp in Scottsville. Uh, we're preparing for uh, a church service at Freedom Church in Stafford. If you're in the area, we'll be there for all three services, or two services, on November 20th. <clears throat> we're also working on the end-of-the-year shipment for the Good Infection Project, where we send out resources to 100 prisons across the country, which, by the way, thank all of you that have helped us do that since the pandemic shut us down. Even though we're going back into prisons, the project continues on. There's a whole ministry team that does the duplication. We just create the content. They duplicate it, package it, and send it out for us from Hedgesville, West Virginia. Thank you, Hope Community Church, for doing that, if you're listening. Um, so we're working on the material for that, and if you're someone that has some material, if you listen to this podcast, I mean books or CDs or that kind of thing that you think would be great for a prison library, don't hesitate to contact me at Mark Life on the Verge, and we'll look into how we can get that into the inmates' hands. 
which on this last tour, I had more than one inmate come up to me at a prison with a DVD in their hand saying, man, thank you so much for sending this stuff out. So we, we put some of our music and uh, teaching and that kind of thing on there. So thank you for that. We're working on that. That's pretty time consuming. And we're already planning for 2023. We'll be having a big end of the year uh, giving thing. Please consider us in your end of the year giving. giving. We hope to maybe even double our donations for 2023 because we really want to do things on a grander scale. The Lord's put we, this last tour in September, we took out eight volunteers with us. Well, counting us, it was six extra volunteers, but we had a band. And uh, this has been so cool because um, we were able to help them with their expenses. We're going to equip them to fundraise. Uh, that's one, one of the ways we hope to increase our donations so that these guys can walk in their calling. Um, you helped us take Brian Elder and Matt Hartway, by the way. One is 44, one is 24, uh, looking for God's next step in their life. You helped us bring them. They wanted to come, and man, were they effective in every way. They really got to cut their teeth, and they're excited about going back out on the road with us. But in the meantime, the event I just did this weekend, the worship leader couldn't make it, and I was able to hook these guys up, and they did an incredible job of leading worship for this men's event. And so thank you for helping us to equip the ministry. That's one of the big emphases, emphases, emphasis. One of the things we feel like we should be really focusing on in 2023 is making a pathway for musicianaries. You know, that's I define that term as using music to build a bridge and tell your story, which obviously incorporates the gospel. We're talking about your Christian story, your testimony. So that's what we're up to. Let's get back to this idea of turning pro. Um, first, I got to I got to give you a testimony of, of something real quick. You know what? Over a year ago, I lost my wedding ring. I couldn't believe it. I've lost this wedding ring twice. And uh, one time I was in the police academy in 2000 when I went back through the academy in Virginia Beach. And I lost it during training, crawling through a tunnel during a time when they were making us suffer physically. And the next day, I crawled through the same tunnel. I didn't know I lost it in the tunnel. I just knew I lost it in training. And I found this ring. Well, last summer, summer before this past summer, I lost it out riding my bike. I got home and I, my ring was missing. I'd been tucking my hand in my pocket and uh, and pulling it out to, to grab a rag and wipe sweat off my brow, you know, while I was riding. And I got home and my ring was gone. I thought, man, my hand was sweaty. It must have fell off in the rag and it's somewhere out on the road. Looked every, I would take my bike rides. I would look like a hawk in the gutters and everywhere looking for my ring. No luck. Now listen, I would pray. I felt so bad. You know, I, I would pray, Lord, I replaced it with one of those rubber things. I thought, you know, if I lose it now, it's not going to, I can buy another rubber thing. But but I was just felt so bad. I, I was praying. I wrote in my journal to Lord, one day, maybe that which was lost could be found. Last night, one of my dogs was under the bed chewing on something and Susan wrestled it out of her mouth and it was my wedding band. Unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway. God answered a prayer. Back to turning pro. <clears throat> I apologize for rambling so much. Uh, you can always fast forward. Um, an amateur, okay, uh, I looked up the definition of an amateur. 
is a person who engages in a study, sport, or other activity for pleasure rather than for financial benefit or professional reasons. Uh, It's also defined as an athlete who never competed for payment or for monetary prize, or a person inexperienced or unskilled at a particular activity. Um, It's kind of something that we do for fun sometimes. It's not something that we do for money or necessarily professional recognition. Matter of fact, the definition of amateur tells you to go compare it to professional, which is exactly what we're going to do. But let's get back to this this first definition that says it's a person who engages in a study, sport, or other activity for pleasure rather than for financial benefit or professional reasons. Let's talk about that financial benefit for a minute. One time I was doing ministry in downtown Miami. We were doing an outreach there. We were walking along, and I don't know, we may have been handing out tracts or things like that and just talking to people, and you know, this considerable homeless population in the area that we were in. And I walked up to a guy who was digging through a trash can, and and I tried to hand him, you know, maybe a bottle of water. We had some cold water with us, a hot day, uh, or a track. And he was like, you got any money? I said, no, but we want to give, you got any money? No. Well, you know, look, everything's about money. If you don't have any money, I ain't got no time for it. He went right back to digging in the trash can. Now, we know as as believers that, you know, money is a tool. It can't be our master. But we all need money, don't we? I mean, that's the way that we make a living. It's how we buy our groceries. There's nothing sinful about money. Um it can be the love of money. Not money is the root of all evil. People misquote that all the time. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, Paul told Timothy. We need money. Jesus talked about money a lot. As a matter of fact, in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, we, we, we call it talents. That really meant bags of gold. It's not like a talent, a skill that you're good at thing. A talent was a bag of gold. So Jesus was talking about a master gave one bag of gold to one servant or five bag of gold, gold to five bags of gold to another servant. Um, Jesus talked a lot about money. So money in and of itself is not sinful and it really is a necessary thing. And we should be good enough at something that we make money, not just enough money to make a living. I've heard a preacher say that's very selfish. We want to make enough money that we have excess to be able to help other people. As a matter of fact, with Life on the Verge, for example, we hope to have enough income. These two guys that we took out, these younger guys I mentioned earlier, both of them are incredible songwriters, and they're moving people. They they're moving people with their music with a with a right motive. You know, I I, I know their hearts. It's not to be rock stars. It's to influence people toward the kingdom of God with their music. That's why we call them musicianaries. And uh, and it's in my heart to have enough money to help these guys do some professional recordings of some of their music, uh, perhaps through Life on the Verge. That's part of our mission. That's uh, expanding our potential. Why that's important is because then the inmates who get impacted by the music in prison can go download it and revisit that time of of light and hope when we were there, you know, in the dark place that they're at. Not just that. Obviously, people outside of prison can be ministered to by their music. Um, 
And so anyway, we don't just want to have enough money for life on the verge to you know pay the bills and and do what we want to do. We want to have enough to help others. You you helped us help Boo Radley, our friends Mike and Patty Turner. As a matter of fact, last year we or earlier this year we took them on the road for a, a one month tour. I think they did about ten gigs with us, and they had never been in prison before. We met them because their son is in prison, and through that connection, we met them in Nashville. Maybe you heard me tell that story. But now they are out on their own, doing their own tour of three prisons uh, late this month and early next month. That's exciting. That's to me, is exponential growth and influence. And you helped us do that. So we don't just want enough money in our ministry to make our ends meet. We want to help others walk in their calling. And you as an individual, you know, should want to make enough money that you don't just are able to tithe, which we should do to our local church. Um, but you can give to missions. You can give to other things. And many of you do. Don't get me wrong. But uh, so money, it can't be our master, but it's a wonderful servant and a professional. That's part of the equation. As a matter of fact, the definition of professional is following an occupation as a means of livelihood and for gain. It's a person who earns a living in a sport or other occupation frequently engaged in by amateurs. So we are amateurs at some things. Obviously, we do things for fun. We call those hobbies. You know, a definition of a hobby is an activity or interest pursued for pleasure or or relaxation and not as a main occupation. You know, if I'm guilty of anything, it's that I don't have enough hobbies because hobbies are important. We need to have those things where we're not, you know, determined to win, right? We know we're never going to be an expert at it. We just do it just for the fun of it. Occasionally, I'll go out and bowl. I'm terrible at bowling, but it's it's fun to just go out and do it for the heck of it, right? Um, I, you, I golfed for a while, way back in the early 2000s, and maybe I'll pick that up again. I'm never going to be good at it, but it's, it, it's just a relaxing thing. Uh, fishing sometimes, you know, there's no, no competition. There's no, I, I'm just doing it for the fun of it. We should have hobbies. Hobbies shouldn't create an unhealthy pressure to win. Okay. We're just doing it for the fun of it. So we're going to have hobbies. We're going to be amateurs at some things, but a profession, we should also desire to be professional at something to excel at a thing, to profit from it, to make it grow by measurable means, meaning money or influence and impact, to be fruitful, okay? We should all have a profession and seek to excel at it. This starts with where you're at, by the way, what's in your hand. It's okay to dream and have a vision for where you'd rather be someday, but Scripture says whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord or unto the Lord, not for men. You know, it's okay to have it. One of my favorite passages, you've heard me quote it many times, sow your seed in the morning and in the evening. Let not your hands be idle, for you don't know which is going to succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well, Ecclesiastes 11.6. So you can work toward the place you'd rather be, the thing you'd rather do, but be excellent at what you're already earning a living at. Be good at your job, at your work. Whatever your work is, that's your profession, be excellent at it while you're there, even if you're dreaming of, I'd rather be here someday. Um, so let's suppose you have a vision or a desire to become a pro at a thing, 
but you're currently in a career that that pays the bills, okay? But you want to be professional at another thing. Um, this is true, really, artists, musicians, authors. Some people do that for the fun, but some people would love to get paid to do it. And that was where I was, you know? It was like, well, I... I never looked at music as a hobby. It was something I always desired to make a living at or writing. You know, I wanted it to be my primary vocation. And I had a fulfilling job as a, as a uh, police detective at the time when it really started to blossom in the 90s. Um, and I worked hard at it and I excelled at it, but my heart was in another place. I had a dream to step into another profession someday, um, ministry. And music, they go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, many times in my journal, I said I want to be able to write, um, like books and such. I want to be able to, you know, do ministry, to to speak, and to do music. And now I'm doing all of those things uh, as a professional. Um, it, you know, in my case, let me just give you a, a little sideline thing. It became easier to do ministry like as a pastor and and put on programs and preach on Sunday and all that than it was to turn pro with music. That's where it really took some effort, a change of mindset where it was like, you know what, I want, and now I'm not talking about being a rock star here. I'm talking about making my living and music would be a huge part of that equation. And so, and I'm still working at that by the way, but I remember writing in my journal early on when we first got Life on the Verge off the ground. It was like, you know, I, one of the things that I, I would consider myself a professional when I, when I started to earn a living with it, um, but also when my peers recognized me as a professional. And would, wouldn't you know, you know, I was getting out there playing with some guys that were way better than me. Uh, I was enamored by them at some of these biker events and things like that. And uh, on February 27th, 2015, I was at Daytona Bike Week playing uh, ministry concerts there, and uh, I was presented with a certificate where I was being inducted. On February 27th, 2015, I was being inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame, the Virginia Blues Hall of Fame, by my peers. That's how you get inducted in that. Those guys that were better than me were putting a, a seal on me that, hey, we recognize you as a pro at what you're doing, not because of just the ministry aspect, but because of the music. That was a big deal for me, and I'm still working at that. But anyway, what are the? this is about a mindset shift, okay, to say I want to be professional at something. And it does happen in our mind first. I'm going to be a pro at this. I'm going to approach it as a pro by faith, even if it's just an, a hobby or an amateur thing, but you want it to turn pro. What are some of those mindsets we need to have? Here's a few of them. I'll start. We'll see how far we get today, and I'll make this into a series. Uh, we'll say that, first of all, pros are not afraid to admit what they really want. That's huge because sometimes we duck and hide from that. I mentioned shadow careers um, in a previous uh, podcast. I met the last podcast. We're not afraid. A pro is not afraid to say, this is what I want, no matter how ridiculous it sounds. 
You've heard me tell the story when Jimmy Brancher came to my church, who's a blues guitar player. He's a musicianary. The first time I saw him was in 2006. I was 43 years old, and it seemed utterly ridiculous for me to finally admit to myself that I still had a dream all the way from way back when I was a kid that I wanted to be a professional musician. Now, back then, I wanted to be a rock star. As I got older, I mean, I just wanted to make my living doing something I loved. I wanted to make a living doing something I love to tell people about the one that loves me. And I had to admit that to myself. And I still have to admit that to myself over and over and over. But back then, it was ridiculous to think that. You know, I had a family, I had bills, I had a career I was already eyeball deep in as a pastor. But I had to visit that and say, you know what? I want to be a professional musician. And then I heard the term musicianary, and I thought, man, that's, that is it. To get to do both, you know, share the gospel and play music, and, and not just in churches, but way outside the church boundaries. Yeah, I had to admit that to myself. So you have to admit, this is what I would do if there were no limitations. This is my dream here. Now, You've heard me mention Psalm 37, 4 many times about delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If your ultimate delight is in the Lord and walking out his plan for your life, you are not going to desire to do something that doesn't align with the word of God and with who God made you to be. I'm not going to desire to be an F-16 fighter pilot uh, at my age right now and my height, okay? He's not going to cause me to want that. He knows what abilities and skills he's put in me. And if I delight myself in him, that's my ultimate delight, then I'm going to want the things that line up with who he made me to be. So change your mindset, if it's not there already, that I am going to be a professional this. Of course, by the grace of God, you know, if it, the Lord wills, that kind of thing. Ultimately, we want to walk in his purpose. But admit to yourself, this is what I, I really want. A another characteristic of a pro is pros don't wait for permission to start. Now, I'm guilty of this. You know, I didn't have the ideal father figure in my life. Um, you know, to speak over me and that kind of thing. You can do it sport, go tiger, that kind of thing. Um, and I spent a lot of my life looking for someone with more power, influence, um, a professional to kind of give me permission to say, you can do it, go for it, you know. Um, and I, I did find people that did that. But, you know, we kind of we're waiting for some we're waiting to be discovered sometimes. Right. We're waiting for permission instead of just starting where you're at with what you have, figuring it out. Another, another uh, uh, characteristic of a pro is pros define their goals with as much specificity as they can. What are your goals? And it's not enough just to write those goals down. We've got to develop a strategy for completing the goals. We've got to keep revisiting the goals. I was talking with that <clears throat> young man, Brian. You know, I use to-do lists. I use, I write every week. You know, I write down everything. I brain dump. I sift out what's most important, what must be done, that kind of thing, uh, and try to develop a strategy for accomplishing those things each week, which those are actually easier than the long-term goals. We'll talk about that in a second. But Brian was like, you know, at the beginning of every year, I write down all these things that I want to do, and then I get to the end of the year, and I haven't did any of them or hardly any of them. 
Well, it's not enough to write goals down. You've got to look at them really every day and remind yourself. I, I told Brian, I said, well, those goals are things you didn't really want. They were an okay idea, but you didn't really want it because if you did, you would have provided or you would have developed a strategy for completing the goals. And then another characteristic of a, of a pro is you would have developed the habit of action. Um, you know, goals plus strategy plus consistent action equals success. Uh, I, I learned a long time ago that consistency really is intensity. So, if, for example, you know, if I'm trying to improve as a guitar player or a songwriter in that particular area of ministry, um, sitting down and, you know, having a big, massive eight-hour day of working on songwriting, and I'm going to make some progress. But then if I don't pick it up for a week and then I come back to it, you know, it's, it's not going to be nearly as effective as saying, you know what, I'm going to sit down for a half an hour or an hour every day and I'm going to work at this thing. There's so much power in that because not only do you ingrain what you're learning better, um, you get into the habit of revisiting your goals. You, you're just, you're constant, it's front page news every day, even if it's only for a short amount of time. If you're a writer, you know, I said you know, the secret to becoming a writer, right? If you're somebody that has a desire to write books, um, the secret to becoming a writer is to write. <laughs> you sit down and you do it every single day. And again, it's you write and you, you reread what you wrote and you edit it and you write, but you're constantly at it. Um, Stephen Pressfield calls it the, um, I'm going to say this the way he said it, he calls it, you need to have the habit of the ass in chair. You know, you, you've got to sit down on your butt and work at that thing consistently every day. So pros admit what they really want. Pros don't wait for permission to start. Pros define their goals. Pros develop a strategy for completing the goals. By that, I mean it can be a calendar that you say every day at 8 o'clock, I'm going to do this. It can be much larger than that, but you develop a strategy for how you're going to do it. You know, the, maybe it's the calls you need to make, the things you need to do, but you're taking steps every day toward that thing, even if it's not your main thing yet. You know, I was doing this while I was a pastor. I was doing the best job I could at that, but in my extra time, rather than watching TV or surfing the web or doing other things, I was working toward that goal. I was work. I was developing a habit of action, which is another thing I just talked about. So, pros, here's another one. Don't wait for inspiration they start with anticipation that inspiration will show up. Now, I did steal that from Stephen Pressfield's book. Pros don't wait for inspiration. They start with anticipation that inspiration will show up. This is really true of songwriting, um, writing of any kind, but I think it's true of anything that you're setting your hand to. If you're waiting for a spark of inspiration to show up, you know, uh, whatever that may look like, before you're actually going to sit down and start at something, um, man, you're going to waste a lot of time. Professional athletes, uh, even before they become professional, mind you, uh, they develop the habit of showing up whether they feel like it or not. It's workout time. You know, I've got to go do this thing. And so if you're trying to become a pro at something, 
you're, you're, you're putting your nose to the grindstone, so to speak, whether you feel like it or not. And I found this time and time again, if, whether I feel like it or not, if I'll sit down and start working at a thing, whether it's writing or, or this podcast or, or whatever it is my goal is, inspiration often, probably most often, eventually shows up. I start to get excited about it, but I've got to show up first. Okay, last one. Uh, pros are not afraid of chaos. That's a big one. And we'll pick up uh, after, maybe maybe there when we come back. But let me just touch on it for a second. Right now, I've been working on my guitar tone. For any of you guys that are guitarists out there, you know that's a lifelong quest. Trying to get an, a tone that inspires me, a sound. And so I was swapping out speakers. I got a bunch of different speaker cabinets and speakers and man, my studio is an absolute mess right now. I got stuff, and I don't like that. I like order. I like things to be where they're supposed to be. And right now, it's an absolute wreck. Um, but I got a vision to clean it up once I accomplish my goal. But the goal is to find the speakers that I want to use on the next tour. Now, understand, this, this is a... This is a, a physically laborious act, okay? This is picking up cabinets. I've got a 412 cabinet. I got a, you know, I got tools all over. I got two 212 cabinets, two, three 112 cabinets. I got speakers scattered all over. I got to take the backs off those things, turn them upside down, move them around. I was so sore. I woke up from my soreness this morning and had to take ibuprofen. Um, and, you know, just twisting and re-soldering these things. And, and, and so, it's utter chaos, stuff stuff everywhere. Well, life gets that way when you start to focus on a one thing. You know, I'll, I'll leave you with this. My friend Michael Trailer was uh, a roommate with Warren Haynes. You may not know who Warren Haynes is. He wrote a song called Soul Shine that's really probably his most popular song. He fronts the band Government Mule, but also has a solo uh, act called Warren Haynes, but he also wrote a song called Two of a Kind, Three of a Kind, Working, no, Two of a Kind, Working on a Full House, that was a number one hit for Garth Brooks. Well, Michael tells the story that all Warren Haynes did was smoke pot and play guitar back when they were roommates, way back, probably in their 20s. Now, I certainly not advocate, wouldn't advocate that you smoke pot, but his focus on music, he said that Warren would leave dishes everywhere. His room was a wreck. He wouldn't do anything around the apartment because he had this laser focus on music and nothing but music. Now, that drives some of us crazy because we want to be good at everything. You know, well, let me tell you, if you're really bearing down on a goal, your car's going to get messy. Your car's going to need to be washed. There's going to be to-dos around the house that you're not getting done. There's going to be appointments you can't keep. There's just going to be chaos in other parts of your life while you're bearing down on the thing that you're really trying to turn pro at. You know, we manage those things as best as we can. We stay in tune as best as we can. We live a life of balance as best. We do the necessary best we can. But if you're like me, you don't like your car to be messy. You don't like your car to be dirty. You don't like, I don't like my studio to be messy. But chaos is a part of the equation. And we can't be afraid of that. We've got to understand that life will get crazy when we really start to bear down on a specific goal. When we still really start to try to turn pro at a specific thing, other things are going to get chaotic. 
I've shared that proverb, um, where, there, oh, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. Well, if you've got oxen, it means that you're bearing crops, you're working fields, and you're going to have a dirty manger. And so we'll, we'll stop right there. I'm already over time, uh, and I'll share some more thoughts on this idea of turning pro. And, of course, whenever I do these podcasts, I'm talking to myself, trying to keep myself on track. So bless you, and have a fantastic day. Sometimes falling angels fly I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can find out more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. If you'd like to receive our emails and receive a free copy of my book, Thrival Mode, you can do so at the website. We are a tax-exempt 501c3, and we appreciate your gifts of support. They keep us on the road and in prison.